Today, God makes one of the big promises in all of the Bible, the promise of an everlasting kingdom to the next king of Israel, King David. Thanks for tuning in to the Bible Brief. I've been excited about this episode because I love King David. I love seeing someone who is imperfect in profound ways and yet faithful and trusting in God in the midst of his own detailed imperfections. So let's start. In our 10-step run through the Bible, we've discussed the rise of David, so I'm going to ask you to stretch your thinking back to that a bit. Remember the young man who comes before King Saul and says that he'll go up against the large Philistine enemy named Goliath, the man who was defying the Israelite army. And you already got a sense of David's faith and understanding of God when he said this prior to defeating Goliath. You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you've defied. Apparently, David had heard of the 300 men with Gideon defeat that huge Midianite army of 135,000. David knew that the presence of God was the deciding factor in every battle. This is a good way to characterize David, a man who had faith in God and his power. And David's rise to the throne of Israel involves victory after victory as leader in Israel, while King Saul continues his reign. David has so many victories that this becomes a saying among the people of the nation. Saul has struck down his thousands, and David his ten thousands. You can imagine that a saying like that might make King Saul a bit uneasy. You see, Saul sees the hearts of the people turning toward David and doesn't like that. And for the next several years, Saul's jealousy moves him to try to kill David, to keep him from becoming king over Israel. Despite the prophet Samuel telling Saul that the kingdom was being taken from him by God, Saul still fights against the judgment. He wants to hold on to the rule that is no longer his. However, God already said David would be the next king, and eventually, Years later, after Saul dies in battle, David is left free to unite the kingdom and assume the throne, which takes some time. You see, one of Saul's sons assumes the throne over Israel shortly after Saul's death, and there was war in the midst of Israel for a while. David and his tribe versus essentially all the other tribes of Israel. And as we've come to learn, when God is involved, numbers don't matter. And so we read this. There was a long war between the house of Saul and the house of David, and David grew stronger and stronger, while the house of Saul became weaker and weaker. While it did take some time, David was finally able to control the whole nation, while simultaneously winning the hearts of the people. He really was a great king and leader. Yet don't miss something here that will be important in a few episodes. Israel's short civil war here that ends in unification plants the seeds for deeper divisions. The twelve tribes of Israel will not always be united, despite David's success in bringing them together under his rule. Well, after David unifies the tribes, he continues to battle the inhabitants of the land of Canaan. The command to drive out the inhabitants was still in force, and David was obedient to God in continuing the military campaigns. As part of these campaigns, we see David and his men capture the stronghold city of Jerusalem where David then sets up the capital city of the nation. And soon, we see David build a great house in the city, which becomes one of the largest buildings in Jerusalem, the capital of Israel. David was the unstoppable king. It seemed that God blessed David in nearly every endeavor. 
And we can see that David even understood this. He knew of God's blessing, and he sought in some way to return the favor to God. Upon completion of the house, which really was a palace, he laments the fact that God's dwelling place is still in a tent. Remember the tabernacle? That tent that was built all the way back when Moses was with the people in the wilderness? Well, David wanted to build God a permanent house. So David tells Nathan, one of the prophets at the time, of his intention to build God a house, which Nathan initially reacts positively to. However, God speaks to Nathan that evening and says that he has other plans. Listen to this. But that same night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan. Go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, it is not you who will build me a house to dwell in. For I have not lived in a house since the day I brought up Israel to this day, but I have gone from tent to tent and from dwelling to dwelling. In all the places where I have moved with all Israel, did I speak a word with any of the judges of Israel, whom I commanded to shepherd my people, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? I declare to you that the Lord will build you a house. When your days are fulfilled to walk with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, one of your own sons, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for me, and I will establish his throne forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. I will not take my steadfast love from him, as I took it from him who was before you. But I will confirm him in my house, and in my kingdom forever, and his throne shall be established forever." In accordance with all these words, and in accordance with all this vision, Nathan spoke to David. Now, that is quite a promise. And this promise is so big that it has a name, the Davidic Covenant. God's great promises to David involving three main things. And maybe you remember those from our run-through together. The three main points of the Davidic Covenant are a throne, a dynasty, and an everlasting kingdom a throne representing rule over Israel, a dynasty representing many seed that would come from David, and an everlasting kingdom for a particular seed of David, whose throne would be established forever. A throne, a dynasty, and an everlasting kingdom. David, by the mere fact that he wanted to honor God by building him a house, would instead be honored by God, and God would build him a house. This is a little bit of a play on words here on God's part. While David wanted to build God a physical house or a temple, God turns it around and says that he'll build a house for David, meaning a lineage or an ancestry. After all, David had just built himself a physical house. Okay, so one more time. God promised David three main things in the Davidic covenant. A throne, a dynasty, and an everlasting kingdom. And David, in his humility, is floored by this promise. It's the greatest thing that's ever happened to him. Listen to a small part of his response. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord and said, Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house that you have brought me thus far? And this was a small thing in your eyes, O God. You can see David knows that he's unworthy of God's great promise to him. And yet you can see how much confidence that David has in God's power to accomplish his purposes. And David continues this prayer to God, which you can read yourself in 2 Samuel chapter 7. But we're going to keep moving. From here, David's military victories continue as he goes with his armies to continue driving the inhabitants out of the land of Canaan. And David can't stop winning. In fact, it says that 
The Lord gave victory to David wherever he went. But we all know the story because we've all seen the story in the news before. We've seen what success can breed, and we've seen what can happen in the corrupt human heart. Despite the humility of David and his confidence in the Lord, something simmered in his heart that looked an awful lot like pride. Let's read what happens. In the spring of the year, the time when the kings go out to battle, David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. It happened late one afternoon when David arose from his couch and was walking on the roof of the king's house that he saw from the roof a woman bathing, and that woman was very beautiful. And David sent and inquired about the woman, and one said, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? So David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him, and he lay with her. Then she returned to her house, and the woman conceived, and she sent and told David, I am pregnant. Uh Uh-oh. Perhaps needless to say, David has disobeyed God. And it's bad. Not only does he break one of the Ten Commandments by coveting his neighbor's wife, but he breaks another one by committing adultery. And if you read further in the story, now that the woman is pregnant, he breaks another one by launching a conspiracy to ensure that her husband is killed. In the course of just a few pages, we see David's monumental fall. Coveting, adultery, and murder. Maybe this is a lesson for us. Think back for a second at the best time ever in the world for humanity. Back to the garden. It took just a few pages for things to go wrong. And here, again, just a few pages. It can be easy to be proud in the midst of blessing. But never forget that a fall only takes a few pages. David, despite all that God had done for him, got proud, got lazy, and got sinful. And in just a few pages, becomes covetous, commits adultery, and commits murder. He didn't break some of the obscure laws that God had given the nation. No, he broke some of the Big Ten, three of the Ten Commandments, in just a few pages. But remember what we said in the last episode? This king, David, he understood God's mercy and God's grace in a way like few others. When eventually confronted by the prophet Nathan for his grave sins against God, David doesn't resist the judgment. Instead, he knows that he deserves it and admits to the offenses. And what does David do next? He seeks the mercy and the kindness of God and asks God to forgive him of his sins. Here's more excerpts of David's prayer to God that we shared some of at the end of our last episode. It says this, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. For you would not delight in sacrifices, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. David, though a corrupt sinner, had a foundation that had been laid in his heart. 
foundation that didn't break when failure and sin came. A foundation that knew the only possible solution to human sin problem is God himself. Only God can clean a spirit. Only God can make someone new from the inside out. While it can take a few pages to fall, David knew that God's mercy can be given in just a moment, and God's grace can set us right with him again. Join us next time as we see David's son Solomon reign over Israel and build the temple of God in the city of Jerusalem, a temple built by the wealth of the nations. Thanks for listening to The Bible Brief. Are you enjoying the podcast? One of the best ways for the show to grow is for you to share it with a friend. Will you do that today? We'd love to help more people understand the life-changing story and message of the Bible. Thank you for your support, and thank you for listening. Copyright Bible Literacy Foundation 2022